What's up, everybody? My name is Joshua T. Berglund, and we are live right now on the Live Mana Worldwide Multimedia Broadcast Network. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, I don't know what platform you're watching on right now because we've been banned from several recently. <laughs> it's amazing they don't want you to talk about organ harvesting and human trafficking and all the other subjects we like to uh, talk about here. But nonetheless, blessed to have you here today. Um, it's been, I took a couple of weeks off. It was nice. I've got my lungs back, and boy, and I am pissing vinegar, but in a good way. Uh, so I'm excited about this. We have one of the, I, I, I got to tell you, from the brief, you guys know the drill by now. Don't do a ton of research. Don't plan questions. None of that stuff. But I can tell you that this guest is fascinating. Talk about a well-rounded, amazing career. Uh, so this is going to cover a lot of different bases. We are probably going to go in multiple different directions. Um, but it's going to be fun. It's going to be lighthearted, I hope. <laughs> we don't, I could use some lighthearted right now. Because like I said, I'm pissing vinegar. Um, and I'm going to probably go on a rant or two. But that's okay. It, it's always in good fun. But I am so grateful you're here. Thank you to everyone who's downloaded the E360 TV app. Uh, and found the Live Mono Worldwide Multimedia Broadcast Network and supporting our shows there. It means the world to me. Uh, I am your host, again, Joshua T. Berglund. I am the chairman and founder, along with my wife, of the Live Mono Worldwide Foundation and Multimedia Broadcast Network. We are a full-service media nonprofit. Um, and we also, of course, we have a private side of our business where we build people's networks for them. We uh, offer full media services. But I, I got to be honest with you. Um, my passion and the people that we love to serve are other voices for the voiceless. Uh, those that are under attack, the people that are speaking the truth, we love to elevate their voices. We love to, um, to teach and educate and equip people uh, with what they need to remain censorship free. Um, but also our heart is for people that have been labeled misfits and outcasts and degenerates and all the stuff that I've been called and still am for the most part. Um, but those people that are turning their life around or are working to turn their life around that have been denied opportunity from the world because of maybe a rap sheet or they don't have the income or whatever the reason is, our heart is for you. And if we can ever do anything to serve you, please let us know. Anyway, um, I was looking at my Bible uh, just now and I want to read something um, that it just spoke to me. And uh, I figure it's timely. And after that, we're going to bring on our guest. This is only going to be a little bit. Um, so Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to broadcast my favorite thing in the world to do. Uh, this is such a joy getting to do it, especially after taking some time off. I thank you for the God that you are and the opportunity uh, that when you created us, you, you, you designed us for a unique, specific, amazing, extraordinary opportunity, a purpose uh, that is just so awesome. And I thank you for that because I'm getting the opportunity to pursue that. And Lord, I just pray that the words that we speak today light a fire in other people so that they will have the courage to take the step in faith to pursue the destiny that you have laid out for them. So thank you for this opportunity and just bless everyone with good health, uh, with a, an abundance of resources and everything that they need to pursue the journey you've called them for. I love you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Let's be faithful. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in rebellion. In the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works 40 years, 
Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart and they have known not my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they will not enter my rest. So kind of like how I attack prophets all the time for not sharing the whole truth. The Holy Spirit, as you probably know by now, whether you, I, maybe if you're not a believer, you don't know, but you, do, you guys know that the Holy Spirit will correct you. God will correct you when you're disobedient to his call. Being obedient is not about necessarily right or wrong, because honestly, I've broken more rules following the Holy Spirit. Um, of course, there were man's rules. I've broken more rules following the Holy Spirit than I have ever when I was a criminal, a junkie, and everything else. So I'm telling you guys, and I this is a very consistent message with me, you're being prompted to do something. You're, bring, you're being prompted to let go of a relationship, walk, walk away from a relationship. Maybe it's that it's to pick up the phone and say you're sorry, to ask for forgiveness, to surrender your anger and rage that you're holding that's no longer serving you. Or my favorite thing to talk about, you're being called to step into faith. You're being called to step into your destiny. You're being called and nudged and urged and groaned at to take that step in faith. So many people right now are in fear of losing their jobs. There's a lot of people in fear of, you know, they're having to make a choice that is scary to them. There's nothing scary or there's nothing. There's no reason to fear when you're with the Lord because God's promises are true. I've known it in my own life. I've experienced it. Blessing after blessing. And look, blessings don't always mean here's millions of dollars. That happens. Sure. But really... Life's greatest miracles and life's greatest joy is having the opportunity to pursue what you were created to do. And so many of you right now are hung up on the things of this world and the job and a job that probably you didn't even really want, but you just did it because that's what you have a degree in or that's the only job that they gave you. What if I told you that good is really not what God had in store for you? What if God designed you for great and he did that is why i believe it's so important when the holy spirit's speaking to you or you're getting nudged or you feel something in your gut that you're just supposed to do and you keep denying it and maybe you drink or drug it away that's god speaking to you today is your day it's today's the day to step into faith i believe it with all my heart that god gave us dreams and visions to show us what's possible what we were created for. And it's up to us to surrender that fear and step in faith. Ladies and gentlemen, I am really, really honored uh, to introduce our guest to you. Extremely accomplished. Has uh, <laughs> really got it going on. You guys are in for a treat and we'll get to her right after this. <laughs>
Welcome back, everybody. I am Joshua T. Berglund. I am so excited to introduce you guys to Kim Sorrell. She's an entrepreneur, director of a nonprofit organization, breast cancer survivor, an author, mother, grandmother, and a lover of all people. While working in Haiti, she dedicated a full year to figuring out the true meaning of love. Wow, what a place to do it. A daunting, sometimes scary, sometimes funny task that she writes about in her book, Love Is. Ladies and gentlemen, I am absolutely honored. There, there is so much more here. That is not even going into half of what she's about. Um, so I'm excited to introduce to you the one and the only Kim Sorrell. What's up, Kim? How you doing? Joshua, that was just an incredible introduction. Thank you so much. You're so sweet. Oh, I am honored to have you here. Um, it's like I said, I'm kind of geeked out by some of the different things you've done and especially going to Haiti and uh, your work with NASA and just an entrepreneur and author, like you got it going on. And I am so excited to talk to you. But before we get into all that, what are you grateful for today and why? I am so grateful for the love of God. Hmm. God's love is so deep and so far reaching and so much more than we can ever, ever, ever fathom. And I'm so grateful for that. No matter what I do, no matter what I say, the foolish things that come out of my mouth and the profound <laughs> things that come out of my mouth, right? The stupid things I do and the things that I stumble into. Uh, God loves me so deeply. I love that. I'm so grateful for that. And I'm equally as grateful that every single person is loved as much as I am. That's true. And you know, it's funny that you bring that up. I had this conversation today and I've, I've talked about it quite a bit on my show, but even after I gave my life to the Lord, you know, it took about two years for me to really get it. Meaning I had the supernatural experience. I was all in that, that part didn't change, but the thing is, is I still didn't really love myself, but I didn't realize that I was not going to love myself. I mean, of course, I needed to forgive myself and all of that. But until I actually realized that God loved me just the way I am, even with all my rap sheet, with all the crap that I did, with all of that, it, I wrestled with that. Like, I, yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, he died for my sins. But that didn't change the fact that I hated myself. And I was still struggling with things that I hadn't healed from yet. But I got to tell you, when I was able to wrap my head around the fact, and I don't, I'd heard it a million times before, but that moment I heard it, God loves you just the way you are. Everything shifted. I was able to finally begin to start loving myself and it, and with loving myself comes with making better choices and everything else. So I love that you said that. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I love what you just said. I mean, it's so true. You know, I, Sometimes we have to feel worthy. We think that we have to be worthy of something, right? So much <laughs> in life is that way. You're rewarded for things that you do. You have to prove yourself. And with God, there's no proving. He loves you just the way you are. You know, that actually just brought up something for me, and I've never actually had this thought before, that, you know, where, where we are weak, that is where God is strong. So why in the world would we think that we need to be perfect to be with God, for God to love us? <laughs> yeah, Because he uses our imperfections. 
just had that thought like gosh let's take so much pressure off ourselves and that's not to say go out and be reckless idiots but like you know it's man well, a lot of us beat ourselves up and we shame ourselves and now we've gotten to a point where i think some people that you know maybe bought into one belief system about what's going on in the world are starting to shift their thinking going hey wait a second something's off here and they're starting to question it but yet they're still stuck in that that maybe there's a little bit of shame. And so they're hiding the fact that maybe, you know, maybe they were wrong or maybe, maybe that they don't want to admit that something, uh, what they thought was right, that they pressured somebody else. They don't even want to say, I forgive. One of the things that I saw in your, um, your bio and what I'm getting to is people are beating each other up and attacking each other over what they believe about what's going on in the world right now with vid and everything else. I don't say the actual word here because (laughs) I'm already kicked off of all these platforms. Thank God we have our own network, but seriously, it's, it's like, regardless of the opinion that you have, you've separated yourself. You've divided yourself. It was one thing with religion. It was another animal with politics, but now this jab thing and this vid thing, it's like, Holy crap. It's just, there's so many dividing points. And one of the things that I saw that you, that you're doing, or you have is talking about how we can all get along. Can you speak to that? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. You know, when I did my year, which actually it took longer than a year because I wanted to do one word a month. I took this 2000 year old poem that you hear at a lot of weddings, love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, does not boast, right? First Corinthians yeah. 13. And um, my goal was to take it one word at a time and figure out, well, what is love that is patient? What is love that is kind? But there are 14 words. So a, a year didn't quite, the math didn't quite work out. So it took me a little bit longer. But when I got to boast, love does not boast. And I, I, I didn't know what any of these things meant before I really dove in and let God reveal things to me. Uh, But when you are thinking that your opinion is better, more valid, that your opinion is the right and the only opinion, and anyone who believes differently than the way you believe, you are immediately elevating yourself above that person. You're immediately saying, I'm better than I'm better than, and guess what? You're not. We all have our feet on the same ground. We are all equal. We are all equal. And so love that doesn't boast does not say, like, I love what you just said. People can change their minds. It is okay to change your opinion on something. You don't have to hold fast. You know, there are so many people that Um, I've done it myself, I'm sure, where I've been, this is right, and I know this is right, I know for sure this is right, and a couple years later, I'm going, holy cow, was I wrong, you know, and and yeah, maybe you eat a little crow, but what I've learned is you are a little more cautious with your words, and instead it's, Hmm. well, I think this is right, you know, with what I know today, this is what I believe, but being open to hear, and, and realizing, too, that whatever side of the fence you're on, Democrat or Republican, you know, if you're a Democrat and you're a Christian, you love Jesus, you believe what you believe and you believe that that is right as strongly as if you're a Republican and you love God, you love Jesus, 
you believe as strongly that what you believe is right and what you believe is true. And in the Christian world, the Republican might say, the Christian Republican might say, well, how can you be a Democrat and be a Christian? And the Christian Democrat might say, how can you be a Democrat and be a, or a Republican and be a, a Christian? How does that work? But it does because none of us have a handle on all things true and right. Yeah, I... And I, and that's true. And I'm like, for me, I'm very well versed in the singularity and the fourth industrial revolution. Like I, you know, my whole life, it's been future technologies and where we were going in the world was something I was just obsessed with and curious about, which it it's paid off for me. But with that has come certain revelations that are very uncomfortable. But even with that said, in myself wanting to share, because I'm like, guys, let's connect the dots. And I want to point people to the truth. And it's frustrating, at least the factual things that I can actually go fact, like look at the fact. Even with that, it's so hard for us when we've like, and we think about the own habits that we have. Like if you're born in a Christian home, odds are you are going to be a Christian. If you're raised in a Republican home, odds are you're going to be a Republican. You, you, most people, you know, do they take the job that their parents kind of guided them into? Like we all kind of do that. Now, I think it's changing a little bit. But my point is that the media, like we a lot of people growing up have just always known that you could trust the news. Like you go to the news to get the information. You go get weather, you get sports scores. Mm -hmm. And then when there was that shift where it became from here's the news to now here's my opinion, Things got muddled really, really quickly, and it became entertainment. And so for me, I've realized that, okay, now they're, they're all lying to us. They're misleading us, and there's, there's a lot of disinformation, and there's disinformation everywhere. And we don't make it – some people like myself probably don't make it any better because we're sharing even more information. And there's all this stuff out there for people to try to consume, to try to break down, to try to understand, and yet it's just poking like – like they've got this, well, their beliefs, it's it's like they're rock solid in a foundation because this is how I've grown up. This is how it's been for the last 40 years, 30 years, 20 years. So the, my, my beliefs have now been ingrained into my DNA and trying to change that is super tough. And it's not even about changing it so much. It's, it's almost like that, like they don't want to know that that maybe things are off because it feels safer to go with the norm, like breaking out of the norm, breaking out of the matrix, breaking out of your shell, breaking out of your box, whatever analogy you want to use is super uncomfortable. It's kind of like the journey with, with following Christ, like dying to yourself is one of the most challenging things that you could ever do. And, and that's kind of where we're at now, where, We've just gotten comfortable with how things are. We've settled in. But yet to be great, to achieve greatness, to achieve our destiny, we have to get a little bit uncomfortable. And a part of that is getting honest with ourselves. Can you speak to that? Yeah. You know, uh, Joshua, you are a wise man. I, that is that is so true. You know, if you think about people um, that their church is the right church, you know, even within the Christian faith, right? There's so many debates within the Christian faith. And um, a lot of it comes down to, to judgment, which oh, yeah. we're not supposed to do, which I find complete freedom in. When we're told 
don't judge, lest you be judged, right? By not judging, it means I'm not the person standing by the line going, you're in, you're in, you're out, you're out, right? Mm -hmm. That is up to God. God told us all we have to do is love people. Yeah. So I, I love that we don't have to judge what people think, what people say. We are not judge and jury. All we have to do is love people. But I think uh, that people do, they stand so firm on whatever it is they stand firm on. And what we need, I believe, is a wave of it's okay. It's yeah. okay to learn. It's okay yeah. to grow. It's okay if today you're at a different place than you were five years ago. And it's not just it's okay, it's good. It's a, it's a great thing, right? Like, man, I sure hope I'm wiser at my age than I was when I was 30 years old. Holy cow, you know? I mean, yeah. Age better do something for us, right? I mean, you gotta, you know, other things happen. Your knees go out, you gotta gain something. So uh, I think that we have got to allow each other, allow ourselves, first and foremost, love ourselves, allow ourselves to change, to grow, to evolve, to evolve in our thinking, to not put God in a box, to break out of the box that we're in and realize there's a great big world out there and an even bigger universe and beyond and beyond and beyond. And God is so much bigger and greater than, than our minds can wrap around but allow ourselves to grow and allow others to, at the same time, allow people to change and grow. Yeah, it's, you know, even with, and this upsets believers, but, you know, I, it's hard for me to ignore the fact that books have been removed from the Bible and sentences have been altered throughout history and every version of the Bible is different. And that's why I, I, I'm just, for me, and I love the Bible, but I can't understand, read, or even discern what's in the Bible without the Holy Spirit. And, you know, of course, Christians are the, like, like, how do we expect the world to get on the same page if Christians are still, like, beating each other up? I, I scroll through Twitter, and it's like, all-out war, Christians versus Christians. I'm like, this is, this is not doing any good at all. And then at the same time, too, and what that's done is the way that people attack each other is then people step back and then they hide their sh hide and they live with shame and they live with fear. And like, I'm grateful that God didn't completely heal me right when I got saved. I'm grateful that it's been a healing journey. And I'm grateful that he gave me the courage to talk about the journey, to put a spotlight on it, because I know I'm not perfect. And especially dealing with different, uh, different altars. And I, I, I don't want to say it yet, but I really do feel like I'm, I've become one again, but I, I want to wait and ride this out for a few more months before I make that determination because I've been surprised before. But with my different altars come different people in a different way of being and a different uh, different lifestyle and a different belief system. And it's been it's been pretty sketchy. But for my walk with the Lord, my heart is for the Lord. But when I had switched, eh, some of those guys weren't so friendly and some of them weren't so nice and some of them didn't exactly like to obey what the Bible said. And so I've taken them each on a healing journey. But that said, I'm grateful that God gave me the courage to talk about it because I want to be a public figure. Like I want to be a speaker on stage and, and, and sharing my testimony and sharing the truth about what God's done for me, but also where I'm at in the process. 
because I know for a fact when I had my relapse, for instance, that was went on for it was the most brutal relapse of all time. But when I was in the shadows doing the dirty stuff that I was doing because I was a chem sex addict, um, one of those things that I when I would go into the shadows and I would go to the places that I would go to, I used to see preachers and other people there. So I know that other people struggled with the same things that I was struggling with, but they don't want to talk about it because either it hurts their pocketbook, they fear the rejection, they fear, they fear the, the, the pushback that would come with it, because for some reason, and I don't know how this happened, we have put pastors and preachers on this pedestal of perfection, and they're not Jesus. They're not God. So... Like we, but we've done this and idolize them. We buy their books, we buy their T-shirts, we follow them, we go to all their events, we do all of these things. But so now the pressure's on them. Like, oh crap! If I'm honest, I lose all of this. I lose all of this money, and I am grateful that I have never gotten to that point because, well, I'm not healed yet, and so I couldn't even pretend to be yet. So anyway, I forgot what the point of that was, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, but that was good. I mean, it's so true. I, I've seen it. I'm sure everybody's seen it where there, there are pastors that we could name right now that we know people have put up above other people. It kind of goes back to the love doesn't boast thing, right? Yes. And, sure. and I yeah, think people good. that are put up on pedestals can get caught up in it as well. You know, they didn't set out that way necessarily didn't start thinking I want to be revered in a certain way, but um, get caught up in, in the limelight, get caught up in it. And uh, that's not necessarily a healthy place to be either. I mean, that's hard. It would be a hard life to live. So you have those kind of expectations put on you. My word, who can live that life? <laughs> that would be, it would be tough because the fall is hard. I remember God, when God spoke to me, and this is actually how my old talk show was born. Uh, and that during that relapse time, because I was re-upping, it was like the fourth day up in a row, I was going to re-up and God came to me and said, I'm not done with you yet. This is going to suck, but I am not done with you. And proceeded to tell me how I was going to put a spotlight on my shadow world. So basically when I had a relapse or I had a, a mess up of some kind or whatever, I was going to go on the air and talk about it is no matter how uncomfortable it was. I had no idea what God was doing, except for he said this one thing that was a hint. He said, do you want to be Charlie Sheen where you have $250 million in the bank and you're writing $15 million checks every week to silence people? Or do you want to build, build this on a foundation of truth where nothing can knock it over? That was the first glimpse into really where we were going to go or where I was going. And it stuck out to me. But man, it, it I'm so grateful that he did that. And, and he gave me that word and spoke to me in that moment. One, because I'd be dead if he didn't. But also because it gave me the courage just to be honest about where I was at. And I've learned even through other mistakes and other relapses that God will use those mistakes because other people are making mistakes too. And we're mm -hmm. not perfect. And, and that's and, the beauty of God's grace. Right. And uh, of course, the Holy Spirit would lead you that way. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, first of all, because truth is truth. That's true. And, and, you know, and love, there's truth in love, right, too. Mm -hmm. But also because there are so many hurting people. And there are so many people who have been through similar things that you've been through. And when you hear from someone who's been through it, 
it comes in whole different words and whole different emotions because you can truly relate. And, uh, you know, I think about that. I think about like going through cancer or um, my mom committed suicide. Um, oh you know, there's been things in life that, that I, I, when I talk to somebody who loses somebody through suicide, I can relate to them in a whole different way. It, before I could empathize, you know, I could sympathize for sure and feel bad on oh my word, you know, what a, that had to be so hard. But then going through it, I know how hard it is. I know the emotions that you go through. Yeah. And I actually, I'm glad that you went there. Um, and I, I'll save the NASA question for <laughs> after. Talk about, <clears throat> first of all, I can't even imagine. Like my mother was, is the patron saint of awesome. And she was the one sending me devotionals when I was doing my evil for all those years. <clears throat> she didn't give up on me. I, I I just can't wrap my head around what that would be like to lose a mother. I I, I don't want to so much talk about how she died. And, and that, I don't want to so much focus on that. But I want to talk about your healing journey. And what that was like, because I do know that there's people watching here, actually even recently, that have dealt with suicide and um, from loved ones. One of my friends I grew up with, um, he committed suicide last week or two weeks ago it was. Mm -hmm. And like, it's it's so hard to comprehend. This was a man of God, but the concussions that he had were just from playing playing football, just wrecked his brain and it took over him. And I, I'm just watching the the impact that it's had on the people I know that also loved him. And I and I can't even comprehend that. Can you speak about the healing journey and some of the things that you've had to do or you're still doing to heal and maybe even use this for good? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It happened in 1990. So it's a few years ago. And um, it is the worst way to leave people. You know, we, we don't understand disease. We don't understand why there's not a cure for this or that, right? We don't understand the drunk driver or the automobile accident that kills somebody. Uh, you know, things like that. We, we question why did it happen? If only, if only, you know, whatever. But we know that people die that way. But with suicide, it is a whole different grief process. <laughs> because first you've got to deal with the fact that that's how they died. And and in 1990, people weren't using the word very much. I mean, it was talk about the in the shadows. We didn't even know what to tell people. You know, how do you say that my mom died? You know, she wasn't in an accident. She wasn't, you know, and how do you, it, there was like a shame in it. And uh, it was embarrassing in a way, um, which is weird, but, but it just is true. And we didn't know what to say. But um, I learned something really profound about it that I don't know that people know, but I looked at it at first as what a selfish thing to do. And I think a lot of people think this, what a selfish thing to do. Like, why would you do that? Like, it's, it's almost a F you, right? Like, yeah. you know, quite often there's a letter left. It's not always the most pleasant. My mom's letter was not a pleasant letter. Um, and it was like, why, why would you do this selfish thing? You know, why would you do this, do this to us? And then I heard a guy on um, a radio show, a Christian radio show years ago. He was a football coach in Florida. You know how Florida loves your football. And yeah. he was at one of the big Florida schools. 
and uh, he got caught illegally recruiting. And so he lost his job and his entire identity was football coach at the school. That's who he was. This was his identity. And he uh, thought the best thing he could do for his family, the most selfless thing he could do for his family is first of all, make sure life insurance is in place, everything <coughs> set up for his wife and kids, they're all set, and then and then leave this world. That that they then they no longer have to live with his shame. And so he did that, took you know, a few weeks, got everything set up, took his took uh, he had a friend who was a state trooper. He had a note delivered to him at a certain time to tell him where to go find him, drove out into the country somewhere and put a hose from his exhaust into his window and then rolled up the window. And when the exhaust started coming in, it made him want to vomit. And he ended up opening the door because he didn't want to throw up in his car and he passed out and that saved his life. And and, and he loves Jesus. I mean, his family has him. Like, there are so many good things that happen because, because he opened the door, right? But one of the greatest gifts to me is for someone to be really wanting to kill themselves and live and then say that it's not selfish, it's selfless. And I believe even with my mom, who was an alcoholic, who uh, had some rough things going on in life. I believe that she thought we were better off without her. And the most selfless thing she could do would be to leave us. I, I mean, it feels like a lie, you know? I mean, it feels like, and I'm not, maybe it is. I, I, I mean, cause I, I, but I also, I think about the person who's suffering and, I, this is fresh on my mind, actually, at this subject, because I just sent my, we're being um, interviewed, like we're, this is our fifth one, uh, about they, this network wants to do a documentary on us, my wife and I, and uh, kind of share our story. And, and, and anyway, but big part of it is the DID and like my life, then like the, the things that I did in my past. But one of the things that came up today was the suicide episode I did. And um, I won't go into the whole story, but basically the the enemy was after me big time. I mean, just I've been possessed by you know demons and spirits and all this stuff. And it goes along with the ID. But uh, I remember the attacks that I was getting and it was just like it was unrelenting for two days straight. And the, I could just hear the voice going, I'm going to get you one way or another, mother effort. You guys will kill yourself now. And I get visions, which are normally good visions. But these visions, are, they were of very detailed videos of all the different ways that I was going to kill myself. And I couldn't stop it nonstop for two days. And then after the second day, and my wife at the time was praying over me, trying to deliver me and all this stuff, and it wouldn't stop. And all of a sudden, I heard this whisper say, go talk about it. And this is after I'd already made the commitment to God to put a spotlight on my shadow world. So I went in front of the camera with my wife at the time, and I just started talking about what was happening. And I kid you not, that spirit that was after me and attacking me, that demon, just disappeared. It just went away. 
It was like putting a light on it and talking about it made it go away. And you know what's crazy? It has not come back. And I don't know how. I've had other spirits try to come back, but not that one. But, you know, I, I don't understand suicide. I do understand the lies that are told in, in that and, the, and why. Mm-hmm. And I, when I was younger, I was a cutter. I was always trying to make myself bleed and feel pain. That's how I felt alive. And um, I understand all that stuff, but I had never gone through it. I just, I just can't imagine what it's like uh, for, for yourself and other people that have dealt with it firsthand. Um, but I do know that putting a light on it sure seemed to help my situation. Has talking about it for you, has it served as a form of therapy? Oh, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, the, the story that I told about the football coach and, and the way I, I see my mom's death, there are different reasons that people commit suicide. Um, you know, a lot of people are tortured. Just there's a lot of mental illness, you know, very little of our research dollars of our medical research dollars go into mental health, mental health research, um, which is silly to me because it touches nearly everybody. And um, so there are a lot of tortured people out there that just don't know how to keep going on. And, and it's hard to blame them, you know, when they're so tortured in their mind, but, um, (laughs) but yeah, it, I've had the opportunity to talk to people right after they've lost a son or right after they lost their father this way, or, you know, right after they've lost somebody and, be able to say, hey, it might not be exactly the way it appears. Mm. And, you know, it's going to be okay. And and I was raised Catholic. And so when you're Catholic and you commit suicide, you go to hell. Yeah. And I said that to my husband. I said, oh, my gosh, my mom, my mom. And I wasn't Catholic at the time. My mom died. Um, but um, I still, it was just came back into my head. And my husband said, well, you know, that the Bible doesn't say that, you know, the Bible doesn't say that that's an unforgivable sin, but you know, it's not what it says. And so I went, wow, yeah, no. And then I found out that, that the reason the Catholic church believed that way was because they said that if you're a martyr, you automatically go to heaven, skip purgatory, jump right into heaven. And so people were basically committing suicide, throwing themselves in the line of fire looking like they were dying like a martyr. So they'd go straight to heaven. So then they came up with this. Well, if you commit suicide, you go to hell. So anyway, so it didn't come from God. It came from a Pope. So it's, it's all okay. You don't automatically go to hell. I I know what the Bible says about calling other people, Holy father too, <laughs> but I also know that it doesn't say you're going to hell if you commit suicide. So I don't, yeah, that's just, I don't want to get, listen, you're like triggering all my other stuff I like to go after, but I'm going to refrain. I'm going to show spiritual maturity and not go that direction because I want to talk to you about NASA. But I have one question that you may want to interview. (laughs) You'll end the interview over potentially. (laughs) Will you explain why or why not the earth is flat? (laughs) Or no, yeah. (laughs) And, you and know, I told you before I we started the interview that I've, I've, I'm around some, I'm around people that have, you know, that flown in space and I get to work with the space program for here and there. And I've asked that question before and I've almost been shot for it. So 
since you can't shoot me, I'm going to ask you, can you explain why the earth is not flat? Well, I don't know if I can explain it or not, but oh. my son, it's my son who works for NASA. Oh, okay. I thought so it was you. Maybe he can. Maybe, oh. maybe he could explain it. <laughs> Wait, but I swear I saw that you worked with NASA. No, I had that in a bio, what my kids do. Like, I oh, my See, son and daughter. I don't really do a lot of background. Because <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it creates moments like this. Of course, sometimes it creates some really embarrassing moments, but I'm not so embarrassed about this one. Okay. So. Hey, I put my foot in my mouth regularly, <laughs> and this so this was nothing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Talk about your book. I, I, this sounds, I, this sounds awesome to me to share. Yeah. Well, um, I was, uh, diagnosed with cancer, you know, a few years ago and my <laughs> husband was diagnosed with cancer four months later. And then six weeks later he died and I didn't know what I was going to do. And I, I had businesses going and I was, you know, in the nonprofit world and wasn't sure what I was going to do next. And, and I was questioning life. I mean, I was in love with my husband. We had a great marriage. I got married when I was 18. And I never fell out of love with him. Like, I loved him dearly his whole life. And he was a man that chased God. He chased God his whole life. Well, from the time he was 16 years old, uh, he chased God. And um, got up at 5 o'clock in the morning and was on his face before God every day. And so he was this faithful, wonderful guy, right? And you have your future planned. And we had just become empty nesters, just become empty nesters. And so looking forward to it. We were so excited to start this journey, just the two of us. And um, we were grandparents and just a lot of things going on. And so um, the whole dream changed, right? My whole future changed. And I questioned love. I never questioned my faith. I never questioned God. I never begrudged my husband, I never was angry at him for dying or God. I don't believe that God gave him cancer. I think there's cancer in the world. I don't think God is smiting us, you know, and picks out who gets it and who doesn't. Yeah. Um, so, but it did make me question love. What is love for real? And I realized that you go to a bookstore and there's no, you know, manual on love, right? No love for dummies. And so you learn love from your parents, from people around you. And not everything we learn is right. That's not true. all things that call themselves love are truly love. So I decided, well, you know, there have been people that have lived a year like Jesus, right? And uh, then write a book. And sometimes it's more about wearing sandals and having a drink at a bar with strangers than it is some big spiritual moment. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the truth? And, <laughs> and Jesus is different to everybody. You know, he, to, to some to us, he's peace and love and joy <laughs> and all things good and God, right? And But to some people, he's a heretic or he's a guy tipping over tables or he's a prophet. But love is universal. Yeah. And God is love. So if you lift love, then wouldn't you be living like Jesus? Wouldn't that mm -hmm. be really closer to what, what it would be and, and wouldn't require sandals? Yeah. So... If you've got bad toes, you can still live like Jesus. And so uh, I decided to take, like I said, 1 Corinthians 13, one word at a time. And I was in Haiti. I was in Haiti 
two weeks after uh, the earthquake that killed 200,000 people. And so I continued to go to Haiti every month for the next several years and I uh, did a lot of work in Haiti. And so it was while I was in Haiti that I was writing this book and doing this research. And so I start out every chapter with what I think it is. And then the story that leads me to discovering. So like the very first one, love is patient. Yeah, you know, you know what patience is, right? You're ready to go. No, She's I, not I'm ready not to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not that you not that you practice patience, but you know what it is, right? You don't honk your horn in traffic, you know, yeah. whatever. But well, I don't drive. <laughs> there you go. There you go. But the when you put love is or love is not in front of anything, it changes the definition. It takes the definition that is not in the dictionary. So I believe love that is patient is recognizing. Well, first of all, I believe you should love everybody. You, we should love everybody. You know, that's a command and way back in Leviticus, it's a, you know, love everybody. So I believe we're supposed to do that. So if you love everybody, <laughs> Love that is patient would say that this moment right here, Joshua, this is the most important moment of your life. What's in the past is in the past. What's in the future is yet to come. This is it. This is the most important moment of your life. This moment is going to come and go, whether you're here fully or not. Mm -hmm. And, and mm -hmm. so if you love with love that is patient, you're fully here. You're fully engaged. You're listening. You're you're not thinking about what you're going to say next necessarily, or, you know, you might be doing some of that, but you're not thinking about stopping and getting milk on the way home from work. You're giving the person. Yeah. But you're giving the time you're giving, you're showing love. That to me is love that is patient. Wow. Okay. I want you to, um, okay. How do I want to say this? So the, or ask this, Actually, can you even put into words what you saw in Haiti? Because uh, it's, <clears throat> I've got, when I lived in South Florida, when I was in college, got to meet a lot of people that were Haitian. And, you know, there's a lot of voodoo in that culture, but there's also some really, really amazing people I met. I've never been to Haiti, but I always, when I can identify a culture or, you know, people from different countries and just in my own experience, you know, I've, I've been blessed to be around a lot of Cuban people in a time, I mean, just people from all over the world, Russians, Ukrainians, and <clears throat> they all have unique parts of their, their culture that I just find fascinating because it's so different than how I grew up. Um, and, but for some reason, it seems that Haiti is always an afterthought in the worldview like it's okay we've had this disaster but then after it goes out of the news feed people quit talking about it however the devastation from my understanding from that storm has really not even been cleaned up or fully repaired like in other words haiti hasn't come back from that yet is that true um yes that is true yeah. uh haiti is <clears throat> the toughest place i've ever worked and i've worked in a lot of countries in africa i've worked in South America and different places. Wow. And Haiti is by far the, the hardest. It's, um, and not because of the people, but because <clears throat> of politics, because um, the world holds Haiti down, the United States holds Haiti down. 
there is money to be made in poverty. Well, human trafficking too. Oh, human trafficking. Absolutely. My word. Yeah, Mm. it's huge in Haiti. So the abuse that is suffered by a whole lot of Haitians is uh, some of the worst abuse in the world. Some of the most devastating things. But people are people all over the world. And Haitians are wonderful. <laughs> like, there are so many incredible things about the culture. Um, and the whole voodoo thing, I think, is very, very misunderstood. Thank there, you for correcting me. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, because it, it's, um, <clears throat> yes, it's a religion. But there are people that are Christians and practice voodoo because there's cultural voodoo. Right. Like we we have our things. We have, you know, Friday the 13th and don't walk under a ladder or break a mirror. You know, we've got our things. Yeah. <laughs> well, in voodoo, there's things, you know, you don't pick up a child from behind or they'll never grow or you don't say that a baby's beautiful. You know, they'll be uglier. You know, they've got their things, too. And so there's cultural voodoo and and everybody has some cultural voodoo because it's what you've been taught, what they've been taught. And doctors are few and far between. In right. Haiti. Medical care is scarce in Haiti. So there are voodoo doctors. And that is something that is passed on from generation to generation. You don't just decide you're going to become one. Your father was one, you know, and your grandfather, your great grandfather. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is uh, actual health care. You know, it's herbal remedies. It's um, uh, taking care of things the way they know how. And it might not be our medicine. And we might look at it and go, well, they're doing what? But that's what they've been taught. That's what they know. And that's what's available to them. Well, and how is it any different than laying hands on somebody and saying you're healed in Jesus name? Right. I mean, I know some people don't believe that. I actually had someone message me and said, I'm too Pentecostal. And I'm like, have you listened to anything I've said? (laughs) Okay. I mean, but I listen, I've encountered demons. So. I, uh, yeah, I believe in the spiritual world and I believe in healing because and I've also seen healings done in Jesus name. Mm-hmm. But, I agree. you know, yeah. I, I like if it, I don't know what the where, where their heart is and when they're doing these things. But honestly, herbs, everything God created is good. Only man corrupted it. That's why I'm a proponent of mushrooms and and cannabis. And, you know, but when it's used the right way mm-hmm. and your herbs, I mean, I had COVID with my wife. Oh, crap. I said the word. Shoot. Um, <laughs> dadgummit. Uh, but we took, and this is where I'm going to probably get banned from another platform. We took the horsey medication and we took herbs. And guess what? It worked. <laughs> like, and now my natural immunity, I feel better after getting it than I did before. How that happened, I have no idea. Maybe it was the rest I got. No clue. But... You know, there's parallels there. And the way that every everywhere you go in the world, you would know this better than me, but words have different meanings. So, mm-hmm. like, the, the similarities, like, yeah, like, I just, I was, I, I just assumed voodoo. Like, and voodoo is bad. But the way you just explained it to me was like, that's not much different than what I've seen in churches. Right, and, right. I mean, it, it's not. Yeah. Gosh, we majority, really, yeah. It's amazing when you don't know something, but you assume that you know. And then when somebody goes, well, actually, here's the other side of it. And you're like, oh, well, geez, what an ass I am. 
There you go, assuming. Yeah. Yeah. You know what they say about that. That's right. That's right. Wow. So, and you and you said something else. This is going to really make a lot of my audience mad, but I, I do this often, so I don't care. This is why I have a problem with the MAGA movement. Not so much the people that are doing it, but the whole idea of make America great again. If you really knew history and you knew how America became great, it looks a lot like Nazi Germany. Just saying. <laughs> we are responsible for money laundering, drug the drug. This drug war is a deception because really we are the biggest drug cartel on the planet. Money laundering, human trafficking, organ harvesting. Yes, we're involved with that too. And also holding other countries down like Haiti so these activities can go on. And you can get mad at me all you want, but it's factual. The Clinton, I won't say the names, but there's a reason why these things go on and it would never be allowed if the governments weren't involved allowing it. Yeah. And it pisses me off because... We're all God's children. None of no country is superior over another. The leaderships are, from every country I'm aware of is pretty much corrupt. And yet the citizens are the pawns of it all. And so like I'm I'm hoping and praying for an awakening of truth in everybody for everything to be revealed as it says it's going to be in the Bible because we're never going to heal and maybe we will not get to experience that before we go to heaven. But I'm hoping to see it. I'm hoping to see truth break people apart so that they can come back together and heal and be one. Because I personally would love to go to Russia, would love to go to China, would love to go to Africa, all parts of Africa, all parts of South America, all over the world, and serve and help and be a part of the solution. I don't care about one country being greater than another. I don't want to see more senseless wars. I don't want to see any more people being sold and bought. I don't want to wear shoes that were made by slaves. I don't want to support organizations that are doing it either. Like I just want things to be right and, and people to treat each other fairly. And going back to your book, freaking love, love each other. I mean, that's the answer. That's the, it's what the world needs now. And it's the answer. You know, talking about God made herbs and cannabis and mushrooms and et cetera and et cetera, right? I mean, those are things that that were given that that are God made and that should be used the right way. Um, but what God did not make were lines on a map, <laughs> right? And yet we use those as barriers, and we use those to. Um, Instead of saying, well, that's Patrick and that's Junior, friends of mine in Haiti, Claudie, you know, whatever. We're saying, well, the, the, the Haitians do this. The Russians do that. The Democrats do this. Well, no, we all have a name. We all have an individual identity in God's eyes. We are all individuals and we are all we all have a mama, you know, dead or alive. We have a mama. Right. Yeah. So we're we're all the same. And. To, to always be throwing titles on people to be is to be putting people in boxes. And, and a lot of times those titles come with uh, certain perceptions that, oh gosh, you know, if you live in that country, you're bad. Well, probably not true. You know, there's probably a handful of people that are corrupting their government. And those are the people that are bad, but everybody else is going through their day-to-day -day life and raising kids and, 
you know, loving their spouse and getting through and working. I mean, we're just all people. Yeah. I, I love that. And I, for the sake of time, I want to go, cause I, your book, first of all, sounds amazing. I love the way that you are, have written it or the way that you explained it, because that's something that for me would grab my attention. And I, I need that when I read a book. So I, I can't wait to check it out. Um, tell everybody really quick before I ask the next question, where people can buy your book. Uh, Amazon. It's actually a uh, number one bestseller in its category on Amazon right now. Thank you very much. And uh, number one new release in its category in Christian living on Amazon. But Barnes and Noble, most bookstores are carrying it now. Um, it was only released on December 7th. So wow. it's it's doing well. Yes, because I, I think everybody knows that it's what we need and, wow. and wants a better understanding. By the way, that's a, an amazing accomplishment. We got to experience that um, with our book, and um, it's the devil inside me, and it's it's a cool feeling to to you know to to hit that number one new release, number one, and being number one in different countries, and you know it's just like okay, now I want to go to those countries. <laughs> um, but I, I, I it's, it's quite the accomplishment, and I know how much hard work it takes to do so. Congratulations on that. That that's incredible. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, what is it that in you you in the nonprofit space? What is it that you do? We're a partnering organization. Raise of Hope International is the name of the organization. We're just a small organization, but we work with people in their own country. They have a passion, a vision, a mission to help people in their own country, and we will walk alongside with whatever that means. So, you know, somebody who wants to open a medical clinic or a school or um, a water project, you know, they need a business plan. They might need some seed money to get there. And uh, they understand the culture and the language and, and the true need. Like, especially as Americans, I think we do think we're better <laughs> quite often. You know, when you were talking about no, nobody's better than another. Um, and go in with our own ideas, go to whatever country and say, well, we know how to fix you. You know, we know what you need. Well, no, you know, people that live there, they, they know what they need. They yeah. know what they need. They just need help getting it. And so we always work also towards self-sustainability. So people aren't chasing dollars to accomplish what they want to accomplish. That is so cool. I, I, I think that's an amazing service. We've, um, We've been kind of like with our nonprofit, we have a nonprofit media organization, and my passion is is the youth um, and people that have troubled past. Because I, I know that with media, you if you have media knowledge, you can do anything. It, everything becomes available because, of course, media is very, very broad. But it is my belief, especially with technology and how it's advancing, that we will all be essentially media companies moving forward into the new world. And but media, the way we see it now, where Disney, ABC, ESPN, NBC, all of those platforms have all this power, uh, that's all going away. And eventually that's going to break off and more and more people will have their hands in media, but media will look differently. That said, it's also my belief necessary because of AI. That is the one way to stay ahead of AI. You can still use AI, but as far as AI taking you over, like you can avoid that with media. And so we are very passionate about that because really the one thing about it 
is not just the opportunity that it creates, but with teaching the youth this, you can provide alternatives that, you know, some of the only options they have are gangbanging, selling drugs, um, committing other crimes, and they, they don't see a way out, especially if, like, hey, they want to be an athlete. Maybe they're not really gifted in that area, but they're really gifted and talented when it comes to acting or uh, singing or they're an artist. And they don't know the things to do to be able to take that and make a career out of it. So we are passionate about teaching that because it wrecked my heart. I, I had the opportunity to speak at an event in Chicago um, a few years ago called The Power of We. I was actually the MC of that event. But I got to meet a lot of inner city kids from Chicago and hearing their stories about just what it took for them to get to school. Um, then hearing these words when they said, well, I want to be a fireman or I want to be a teacher. I want to be a, an attorney. I want to be the president. And people in their own home and their own communities were saying, who do you think you are? Do you think you're better than us? It ripped my heart out. And, and they also for the kids that are suffering in silence that are being sexually abused and physically abused like I was. I didn't feel safe to, to have a voice. I was told if I said anything, bad things would happen. But I do know this about kids. I, I'm experiencing it with my five and six-year-old now. When they are, feel safe, they're going to tell you what's going on. And you may not want to hear it, but they're going to be honest. And, and so we want our vision for our foundation is to create youth media literacy centers and put them all over the world. We have every city around the world mapped out that we want to do this. And kind of like you think about the boys and girls clubs, Mm -hmm. um, what they used to be. We want to create that safe place, but have it be a media school to teach kids, to teach the youth, all things media, broadcasting, and so on. That's 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 our passion. I love that. I love we, that. We break poverty. Love that. that is awesome. That is awesome. Talk about changing lives, right? I mean, you know, sometimes we, we think in quantity, and we think that, you know, all well, this organization has touched this number of lives. So therefore, there's something more valid about them. And that's not what it's about. It's about one life at a time. It is. And yeah. So the lives that you're changing and the lives that you're going to be changing. It's amazing. Thank you for doing what you do. In uh, your it, life. It's for me, it's the greatest joy in the world, especially for people that actually you know do the work. Because it's like when you see the light bulb go off and this is any I think anyone out there, whether they're a teacher or if they're working with individuals, then you know that moment when the light bulb goes off for somebody and you see it in their eyes. and You're like, oh, this is so great. So mm -hmm. that's exciting to me. Um, and and I you know, and it, it is it is an honor to get to do it. And um, it's a scary vision because I have no idea how in the world we're going to do it. But I. What I have learned with this journey with the Lord is that people show up when they're supposed to show up and the right people come along at the right time. And and then, you know, we've been blessed to find somebody like we actually our team has grown quite a bit in just the last week or two weeks. And um, and it's really helping us get organized to be able to do this internationally. In fact, the new head of our board is in South Africa and um, super blessed to have this guy because he's ran you know, international giant corporations forever. And, you know, it's just such a blessing. So I, I love that you're doing that too, because, you know, a lot of people in the nonprofit space, they start off with, well, I mean, they lead with their heart, but they may not have 
any business sense at all, or they may not be the greatest fundraiser, but they just want to serve. And so having an organization like yours to be able to help and direct traffic or, you know, whether it's providing resources or just even if it's advice, um, it's so valuable and something that shouldn't be taken for granted, taken for granted, but also to your point about not about, about the number of people you help. I mean, we want to help millions. That said, I know that by helping one person, that one person could be that person that is is the one that can influence millions. Like it's sometimes the one person is bigger than 50 people. And it's just the way it can work. And that's, but that's why I think that you're right, that we shouldn't get caught up in the numbers and all that stuff, because it really is. Jesus came back for the one. So, you know, sometimes the one is just good enough to help. Right, right. And I believe strongly in excellence. You know, I believe mm. if there's something that's junk to us, it's junk to other people. You know, we, we send a, tend to send our trash, right? Our used clothes or whatever stuff that we won't wear again, but we think somebody else will find value in it. Well, you should do everything in excellence, you know, no matter what part of your life. And, and especially, I think, uh, when you're helping other people, don't, don't do it halfway. You know, that's if you're right. going to do it, go all the way. Yeah. And talk about therapy, right? I mean, there's nothing you can do that will help you more than helping other people. That's true. It's 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 the greatest gift. I've I've often said that our trauma is not even about and our trauma is not about us. Our gifts is, aren't about us because really we get to use that to be a blessing to others. Mm-hmm. That's why our testimonies are so powerful. That's why. Like when we use our gifts, I mean, you can use your gifts for yourself, but it usually ends up being something evil. But when you use your gifts for other people, it's a blessing. And um, anyway, I can't, I, I've, I've just really enjoyed this. And I feel like I could talk to you for three hours. Um, <laughs> but for the sake of time, I, listen, you're welcome back anytime. Uh, anything that we can you. do to support you, uh, please let us know. And just God bless you for what you do and who you are. And um, have a great new year. Thank you, Joshua. The same to you. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I'd love to come back anytime. Awesome. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Kim Sorello, everyone. I, I, she was, <laughs> I can't believe I messed that up and thought she worked for NASA. Oh, well, um, fascinating. And you guys are going to absolutely check it out. So as you know, the deal, If you, you may be watching this live. Um, so thank you. But those of you that are watching it on video and demand on livemonoworldwide.org, Apple TV, Roku, or Amazon Fire, or listening to the podcast, you can go to livemonoworldwide.org and you'll be able to say, see where you can buy her book. I'll have links there, links to all of her social media, and really just more in depth of what she's all about. It's it's pretty impressive. And I absolutely enjoyed this conversation because, got to be honest with you, sometimes you feel like you're just trying to pull stuff out of people's butt so it'll like make some noise. Uh, it, this is not the case. This is a conversation and uh, not an interview so much. It was, it's a conversation. And that's what I love um, about people like her who can have a conversation. And I uh, hope that you guys got something out of it. I hope that you were inspired by it. Um, so thank you so much for being here. Also want to give a shout out really quick to our sponsors, uh, Pathwater, go to drinkpathwater.com. Now what's special about Pathwater is I actually learned something about the bottles. So it's negative 20. It's been negative 20 in Minnesota. 
And so I had my bottle full from the gym. I learned that water will actually make this thing explode. <laughs> but it's a reusable water bottle. And why I love it is because I can reuse this over and over and over again. And it's only $2. So it can be a weapon too, I learned. But that's... <laughs> anyway... But it will explode if you leave it in negative 20 degree weather uh, full of water. So don't do that. But if you're normal and know to take things out of your car when it's going to freeze, uh, go to drinkpathwater.com. Use promo code Joshua T. Berglund and uh, you will save 20% on your order and get free shipping. Also want to give a shout out to State and Liberty. Thank you so much for the suit. Go to stateandliberty.com. Use the same promo code Joshua T. Berglund and you will save 15%. On suits, they have amazing, amazing suits. And if you're an athlete that needs something stretchy, you know, because you got a big butt and big arms and big chest and all that stuff, great place to go. I love this suit. The customer service is over the top amazing. And it's made in America. Not that there's anything wrong about being made somewhere else, but it is made in America. Some people like that. So thank you guys so much for being here. Also, Bod by Alley. You guys saw the commercial at the beginning. Uh, check her out. One of the most amazing human beings I know. And this fitness program is for people that are on the go, nonstop, don't have time to do all the other stuff. It is an all-encompassing, amazing platform. Go check it out. God bless you. Thank you again to our guest, Kim Sorrell. Absolutely amazing. God bless you all. Have an amazing day. And we'll see you again soon. Bye. Ciao. God bless you. I think I said all that. Bye.